0: course it ends with that destination that David was speaking of on Friday in fact is what Christians around the world refer to as good Friday commemorating the day when Jesus Christ went to the cross by which he brought such good salvation to all who believe in him even though it involved his own horrific execution. That is why we are reading for this morning the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 27, verses 45 to 54, as we consider today the power of the cross. So Matthew, chapter 27, verses 45 to 54. Now from the sixth hour, darkness fell upon all the land until the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, that is my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Some of those who were standing there when they heard it said, This man is calling for Elijah. And immediately one of them ran, and taking a sponge, he filled it with sour wine and put it on a reed and gave him a drink. But the rest of them said, let us see if Elijah will come to save him. Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and gave up his spirit. And behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And the earth shook and the rocks were split. And the tombs were opened and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised and were coming out of the tombs. After his resurrection, they entered the holy city and appeared to many. Now the centurion and those who were with him keeping guard over Jesus, when they saw the earthquake and the things that were happening, became extremely frightened and said, Truly, this was the Son of God. I want to suggest to you this morning that Matthew's account of the cross much more than the other gospel accounts, is written in such a way as to demonstrate before us the power of the cross. Truly a paradox, that something that displays such weakness as an ignoble and humiliating, to say nothing of its gruesomeness, execution, should actually be the power of God At work in the world culminating in the power of the cross as it most directly impacts you and me as we will see near the conclusion of our passage the power of the cross of Jesus was such that it even had an effect according to Matthew on the physical material world We read that so clearly in verses 45, 46. From the sixth hour, darkness fell upon the land until the ninth hour. And the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, that is my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? What is dramatic about this cry and this very unusual account, of course, in Matthew is the Bible wants us to know very clearly that darkness fell over the land at the sixth hour. Matthew is deliberate to bring that out, which means at 12 noon, right in the middle of what would be the usually the brightest, most sun-drenched in the Mideast time of day. In fact, the term that is used here for darkness is skotos, which is not slightly hazy or getting a bit overcast, but it means pitch black darkness. And of course, the text is also keen to remind us about another very important detail, as it tells that this this darkness fell upon all the land. And then one last detail, that such pitch-black darkness lasted not just a few seconds or even a lengthy number of minutes, but until the ninth hour. That is, it took up the time-space of three whole hours. All of this is by way of telling us that the cross of Christ has a power that impacts even the physical, material world. But then I think it goes on to show us and proclaim to us why, why? Why Jesus Christ suffering on the cross was so literally earth-shattering? Verse 46, I think, is intended to show us as we read it there in 46. About the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? The dreadful darkness only underlines what Jesus Christ was more deeply experiencing in his death On the cross, he was in fact experiencing the most dreadful experience of all. He was forsaken by God, his Father. He was abandoned by God as he declares with his own lips, Why hast thou forsaken me? Why such dreadful experience of forsakenness? Well, because Jesus took on our sin. Took into himself our sin and the sin of the whole world. And bore that immense weight of worldwide, history-wide, even future-wide sin in payment due to a holy God at the price of required by the high, high bar of the holiness of God, of utter judgment, utter abandonment, utter forsakenness because of the Father's disdain for sin. This is depicting the revolutionary power of the cross Subversive through sacrifice to contend against the greatest pandemic of all, a pandemic called sin. We are emerging. We're not wearing masks, many of us today, because the pandemic has subsided. But let me tell you, there is a much greater pandemic that continues in our world. And Jesus bore it all, a pandemic of sin, so that even the physical material world reacted to the cross. Darkness fell across all the land from the sixth to the ninth hour. There is obviously another power at work in this account of the cross that we read about now in verses 50 and 51. Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and gave up his spirit and behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom and the earth shook and the rocks were split. You see how visual, material Matthew is. Darkness, the whole land, the hours, a veil and rocks splitting open. The veil in the temple as mentioned here is that massive veil that cordoned off the Holy of Holies where only the high priest could enter and that only once a year on atonement. It was an entirely sacred space, actualizing the very real presence of God on the earth, in that holy of holies. So that the fact that this veil was completely torn in two, as the verse says, at the very moment that Jesus died, was clearly a spiritual, physical happening to tell the world, the whole world, that the very power of the cross was intended to open up full access to the holy God. The God of all holiness is now fully accessible. And you note again Matthew's particular detail, attention has been rightly given to the detail noted in verse 51, that the veil, Matthew says, very specifically was torn from top to bottom. Not bottom to top, top to bottom. Why is Matthew concerned about that? Many scholars, and I think they are right, perhaps say this is symbolically suggesting that God himself tore this veil. Human beings would have gone from the bottom up, but this was heaven ripping from the top down. God wants access open. And today, because of the power of the cross, anyone has access to God himself if and as they respond to the cross of Jesus Christ. Now we come to a hugely significant bit in the story of the cross that only Matthew records. I love Matthew's account because this bit is only in him. Strange as it is. We read it here in verses 52 and 53. And the tombs were opened and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised and were coming out of the tombs. After his resurrection, they entered the holy city and appeared to many. Did you ever stop to think about what that says? What would that look like? What a sight that would have been. Don't you think the tombs open up? And it says many saints or holy ones. Holy ones. Probably referring to people who had radically believed God like Abraham had done. And it was counted to them as righteousness as the Apostle Paul writes of it. Here, these holy ones, who have put their belief in God, regain life. And then three days later, after his resurrection, they enter Jerusalem to appear to many. As we study it, that is the best reading of the text though some of our versions differ, after the resurrection, they enter Jerusalem. They were raised and were coming out of the tombs. And then after the resurrection of Jesus, three days later, they entered the holy city and appeared to many. I think that's fascinating. Can you imagine some of them seeing grandma who had died 20 years ago rising from a grave and entering Jerusalem? We thought she was dead. But her faith, her belief, like unto Abraham who believed God and it was accounted to him as righteousness. There's grandma. It would be quite a thrill, wouldn't it? And as we study it even further, I think it has all the earmarks of what we could label as a foretaste of God's new creation. A foretaste, this is, of a new creation, which is all about not just another way of speaking about heaven, but it is more about heaven coming to earth. A new creation. Because we read about it here, Matthew is very clear to tell us that not all, but many of these holy ones were raised. Why not all the saints? Matthew is particular to say many of them, but not all of them. Well, precisely because this is only a foretaste A peek ahead, it's like a trailer to an amazing new movie coming. Here's a little foretaste of new creation. What's it going to look like is simply giving you and me a preview of the reality of and the experience of resurrection life after death for those who put their trust in the power of the cross. And then finally, the very last verse of our passage, verse 54, shows us what is without doubt the most immediately relevant aspect of the power of the cross for you today, for me today. We read it here in verse 54, now the centurion and those who were with him keeping guard over Jesus, when they saw the earthquake and the things that were happening, became extremely frightened and said, truly, this was the Son of God. This concluding verse demonstrates for us the power of the cross as it relates first to evangelism. For this one man's statement, probably representing the other guards as well, is a confession at its highest level, isn't it? A confession of belief and faith, as he puts it so strongly, truly, verily, amen and amen. This was the Son of God. He has come to believe. The power of the cross has brought about conversion, power of the cross for evangelism, the power of the cross to speak to your life. Do you confess Jesus Christ as the Son of God? The cross event itself was evangelistic as it brought these soldiers to faith. The very death of Jesus, the most horrific of executions, brings them To confess Christ as the Son of God. But it is also demonstrating for us again how the cross has a significant impact not only on evangelism but on mission. This is absolutely clear because the centurion is the highest level, high-ranking member of the Roman military. And the other guards are Roman soldiers as well, aren't they? So that the immediate effect of the cross of Christ is none other than missionary outreach to the Gentiles, to the epitome of the power of the non-believing Gentiles, the Roman military. And that, not just your average local Gentile, but mission that has the effect of reaching Gentiles of a very particular sort, Romans, Roman soldiers, a centurion of a high, high ranking, the arch enemies of the Jews of Jesus' own heritage. The passage thus ends with an actual demonstration of the power of the cross, to effect, to bring about both conversion, evangelism, and mission to the world. And so I want to say to you on this Palm Sunday that we do have a travel destination that David mentioned, and at the end of the week is the death of Christ on the cross This passage is replete with examples of the power of the cross. But what about the power of the cross in my life? I can read about it, I can attest to it, I can study it, I can affirm it mentally, but what about the powerful effect of the cross in me? To change me, to bring me, to say that foretaste of new creation, that's what I'm about that power of the cross to effect a conversion, a change of mind entirely. This is Jesus, the Son of God. And to push me into mission, to reach the Gentiles all over the world. I'm so thrilled that Akram was baptized, an Iranian Muslim background woman, now here three years and 10 days ago, baptized. I believe it's the power of the cross. It's not the power of our church. It's not the persuasive ability of a preacher. It is the power of the cross. And I challenge us today, let the power of the cross be effective in your life. Not just mentally, not just with an affirmation in your head, but how do you let the power of the cross affect you, change you, move you all because Jesus came to die, was born to die. He enters Jerusalem with palm branches at his feet and accolades and songs of Hosanna. And within a week, he's hanging on a cross. But it is not weakness, it is God's power, it is God's power. We're going to conclude with a final worship song about the cross, and as we sing, Think about the cross in your life and at the conclusion of our service again this area to my right your left is for prayer. If you would like to come and say Lord let the power of the cross touch me. Maybe it has years ago but you want a renewal of that powerful effect of the cross of Jesus to touch your life. Come pray with us. I'll be there friends from upper room anybody please come we'll pray. Let's Pray now, and then we'll sing together. Thank you, Lord, for the cross. Worthy is the lamb who was slain. We rejoice in this holy week that as we sing Hosanna, we also sing thank you for the cross. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.